time management. What to prioritize with your time as far as your fantasy team goes. What are the must-haves to do, the nice-to-haves, and everything else in between. We'll also have a conversation about what happens when your fantasy team just doesn't have it this year. PitcherList senior writer Scott Chu joins us on the Beat the Shift podcast coming up next. And welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always is Ruven Guy. How are you, Ruven? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Pretty good. We got rained out a couple times this week, weather in New York, but in between then, I pitched a couple good games. We had an exciting one that went to extra innings yesterday, and I threw on Sunday an almost a no-hitter with two outs in the eighth, a hit off of me, seven and two-thirds, no hit. That was just uh culminate and it was against a good team. It wasn't just a crappy team. So uh culmination of some really good stuff that uh I've been throwing lately. That's fast screwball just really uh fools people. Got a lot of swings and misses. How about you? You're playing too as well, right? I am playing, but I had a little vacation this past weekend. I went to Baltimore, and I got to see the Orioles in, por- in person against the Mets. Obviously, Baltimore won, um, but I got to see the stadium again. I've been there before. Beautiful stadium. Great team. The team, I, I, you look at their lineup, when you see them in person, you compare them to the current Mets that, are, that they're putting out in the field, it's not even close. The talent is not even close. And it's, I'm so happy to say that I have so many of those guys on the Orioles on my current rosters in fantasy leagues. And uh, hopefully you uh, also have the uh, the newscaster, the uh, the sportscaster, I should say, uh, Kevin Brown, who said the Orioles lost a f- couple of games to uh, to the devil ra- to to the Rays, and uh, all of a sudden he got suspended. How, how crazy was that? Did, did... Yeah, that that's that's I, I just love the way a whole, how all the other announcers got on the Orioles for that because that's just not right. Yeah, I mean, doesn't the does the producer have to make the graphic that he was going to talk about? Like they, they knew he was going to talk about it, and yet- yes, it was it was planned. It was written on the screen. He read from the screen, and he got suspended for reading for something on the screen, which makes zero sense. Well, hopefully, I won't talk badly about a player, and then Fangraphs will can me on this show. I mean, just uh, that's crazy. But uh, all right, anyways, yeah. we've got a great show planned here from Hacks and Jacks, great podcast on the Pitcherless Network. Welcome to the show, Scott Chu. How are you, Scott? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, excited to be here. And we are excited to have you. Um, you know, first, just to throw it out there, how, how are you doing in your league this year, Scott? I am doing much better than uh, I expected in terms of, like, at least my expert leagues, right? So uh, I'm in 15-team tout mixed auction. And first of all, uh, God, the in-person auction had been so long since I'd been able to do one because of COVID and all those things. That is so much fun, right? Just because of like the way you get to assemble your team for an auction and then in person just adds that level of drama and, and comedy and all those things. So uh, doing fairly well. I've been in the top three in that league for most of the season. I was at the top for most of April and May and I've faded a little bit. Haven't been able to find the right free agents to keep myself going uh, just because I knew that my April and May had some hot streaks that got me to the top that weren't going to keep going. But doing okay in the the 15 team mixed out auction. And then in TGFBI, I'm doing fairly well too. Uh, I've got, you know, I'm second in my league, I think somewhere in the top 60 overall. So, so I'm pleased with it. I'm happy about it. No, amazing. Amazing. And Ruben, 
How are you doing in your leads? It's been a while. It's uh, I'm doing pretty well. Um, we have a home lead that we're in together. We were in first place for a while, but for some reason, people think we know what we're talking about. No one wants to trade with us, so another team passed us because we got screwed again. But whatever, that's fine. We're, we're still in second place. We're holding our own pretty close to first. Um, we're in, in the NFPCs that we're in together. We're actually doing quite well. Um, we're, we were in second place. We had a couple injuries, so we fell down a little bit. I think we're in fourth place now, but we're in the running for the money, so that's always good. And in the GDD League, which has a bunch of professionals actually in it uh, like eric cross is in it um jennifer jen piacenti is in it Derek Carty's with it with you um there's some ryan howland's in it justin mason's in it um and so that league i'm doing pretty well that league i'm in second place and i've been holding my own pretty well so i'm trying to you know you know make sure my injuries now don't kill me but right now i'm holding my own and it's my first year in the league so i mean i'm ahead of you so i guess that counts for something yeah, I won't talk about that league. That's not going well. But otherwise, it's going well. I'm third in labor in Tout Wars in third place, although I'm uh, it's a head-to-head. I actually have the number one most points, so I'm getting unlucky there. Uh, I'm trying to fight Frank Stample to get the second place so that I can get a bye in the playoffs. I'm playing him like in a couple of weeks, so that's going to be a key matchup. But uh, there we go. Uh, that's the story. So, you know, along the lines of that, um, what – players scott for you have worked out now obviously if you get some you know random player you know who just has gone off um you know lane thomas wow that guy really worked i mean unless you really planned for lane thomas working out you sort of got lucky was there a player that worked out for you that you sort of came into the the the, the uh the draft with a strategy said i, I know this is gonna this guy's gonna be undervalued i'm picking him anyways and it was the right deal well can you name a player like that for you? Uh, you know, I'm actually going to look right at the top of the draft. Uh, I I was someone who really had Freddie Freeman as my number one overall first baseman. Uh, you know, I, I had ranks come out on pitcher list. I said, this is my guy because uh, he's just always a top three first baseman, it seems. And, of course, this season, Freddie Freeman's doing fantastic. But, you know, I, I took him in several leagues in the first round as my first round pick towards the back of it. Vlad Guerrero was on the board. Uh, you know, other players were on the board, and I went with it. And those leagues are going pretty well, I'd say. Are, are you reading my notes here? Because <laughs> I, I literally was going to talk about Freddie Freeman as well for the exact same reason. And, and listeners of our show know that uh, – you know, before the season started, I, I was basically advocating that he's a top five pick in drafts. And it's because of the risk, the low risk, right? He, he's been a consistent $25, $30 player every year. Uh, I, I, I'd pay $35 every year to know that a guy is going to get $25, $30 every year. Um, and, and that really, really does. What about, what about for you, Ruvain? I think I, there, I've picked out three guys that have really hit and really done well. Um, Nico Horner. Um, I had him very high. I liked him a lot. He was in our group of middle infielders that we really wanted, and I, I just, I thought his name stood out, and he was right to take the next step. I thought I got him at a very good price. And you have Ryan Moncastle, Anthony Santander. They both had sort of down years last year, but we saw what they could do back in 2020 and 2021, and and they just were had a bad last year. And recency bias, people didn't value them high. We got them at good prices, and I think those guys have really carried the team along with. Pitchers like uh, Chris Bassett, who uh, we got for a, you can get very you got very cheap, and he's holding his own against a really tough competition. I hate the fact that I still sit him every once in a while against a good team, and then he pitches well against a good team. But he's doing really well compared to where he was going in the drafts. Well, that for you uh, in terms of uh, Scott, in terms of a player that that didn't work out for you. Um, 
Yeah, I'm going to start. Yeah, I'll start with a little bit of a cop out here. Uh, it hasn't gone well because of injury. Uh, and that's O'Neill Cruz. I paid everything I could possibly could to get O'Neill Cruz on every team I could. I loved the changes he made last season, uh, especially towards the end where he started taking more walks. He got better at making contact. I uh, used in all the things I wanted him to do. He showed us the exact same things early in the season. So I was trying to make trades for him constantly. And then, of course, we we lost him until hopefully maybe the, uh, you know, the back half of this month, we might see him come back. But th that's been really difficult. I also was a big fan of Spencer Torkelson uh, thinking he'd get a rebound. He's showing us flashes, but he just can't show us what we want in terms of power with any kind of consistency. It just comes in such brief waves that it's been hard to rely on him in any format, really. Yeah, I mean, the question, of course, here, you know, didn't work out. Obviously, if there's an injured player, it doesn't work out. You know, obviously, that's going to gonna happen for you. I think the, the, the worst thing that comes out is where you have a player and you just keep thinking he's going to turn it on, keep thinking he's going to turn it on, he's giving you zeros, or it's a pitcher, and he just keep destroying your ratios. Like, for me, I'd say Luis Severino. I mean, uh, well, first of all, he was sort of injured coming into this season, but you know what? I'll take a big discount to buy him this year and— that didn't work out in terms of he wouldn't pitch. And then he just absolutely stunk. So he was a really bad one. I have a, another one for you, Ruben? Yeah, I, I have to say to Severino, I have to go along with you because we're from New York. We heard all the hype about Severino coming into this year. That may have played into our heads just a little bit along with the numbers. But I think a guy like Anthony Rizzo, who we had, we, we drafted an NFBC, and he was Look, he was great for like a month and a half, but then he got hurt and he played through the injury. And that happens a lot when players play through injuries and they don't tell us about the injury. They don't tell anybody about the injury. And it screws everything because they're just not performing the way they should. Like even Pete Alonso, I mean, I'm not saying he's he's a, he's having down year or anything like that, but he played through an injury. And players who play through an injury usually don't live up to their, uh, live up to their um, aspirations of what they want to do for that year. And it really hurts you in the long term so i think you know those type of players are the hardest ones to deal with and i think those are the ones that bring you down i think alonzo is going to be pretty undervalued going to next year because there was a month and a half or even more where he pretty much played through an injury and his numbers are really bad i mean he's batting like 225 on the year whereas he really should have been like a 270 or at least a 260 player um so he's gonna be undervalued next year i think we see in the last month what he's doing he's hitting you know home run every other day right now um, so uh, big fan of Alonzo going into 2024. But uh, t today we're going to be talking about time management in our strategy section, uh, sort of what to do with your time, because the one thing about fantasy baseball is there's there's a limited amount of things you can do. People have jobs, people have kids, people have families, people go out, you know. You only have so much time in the day, and obviously you can do a deep dive in every single player, and you can go to ball games. But we have to know how to prioritize your time, and that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about today. So let's just throw it out uh, generally for you, Scott, and at a bare minimum to really keep up with your fantasy teams competitively. Obviously, you can you know just throw a team there and walk away and do nothing, but to really be somewhat competitive and to have a fighting chance each week, what are the bare minimum tasks that you absolutely need to do as number one priority? I mean, obviously... If it's a daily league, especially having that lineup set is is such a key. I mean, in daily leagues, 
uh, you can win leagues just from having your lineup set, right? Like just by swapping out your shortstop when he doesn't play that day. So uh, in the daily leagues, I, I spend a lot of time just making sure my lineups are the way I want them. I try to get ahead a couple days. So just in case I have a day where I'm too busy and I can't get to it. But whenever I can sit down and really look at those lineups, uh, I, I try to spend time with that on daily leagues. Now in weekly leagues, it's a lot more about preparing for the waiver wire at the end of the week because I only get one bite at that apple. Right? I only get one chance to add players. So I really need to invest my time in making sure that I'm adding the players I want to add, that uh, it's players either that I'm projecting to get maybe a, a role that's going to be, you know, that's currently undervalued, or it's a call up and I need to know how much I'm going to bid on that player. Because again, I get one shot at a lot of these guys. A, a good example would be, he's been bad in the second half, but Ellie De La Cruz, I think everybody knew you got one shot to get him. And if you didn't spend the time to say, this is how much I'm willing to spend, this is what I project to get back from Ellie De La Cruz, this is what he adds to my team, I think you were doing yourself a disservice. And, and we're gonna have more and more call-ups as we go. Uh, we're gonna have players sort of come out of nowhere. You know, how much do you bid on a on a Chaz McCormick? If all of a sudden he's the, you know, the hottest outfielder in your 15 team, uh, league when waiver Sunday comes up, how, you know, are you ready? How much are you ready to bid on a guy who might just be hot, right? I mean, that's to me where the analysis comes in. So with daily leagues, a lot of it's lineup management, uh, and then running out to the wire when I don't have a lineup I, that I feel good about, but on those weekly leagues, I'm always focused on the waiver wire so that I'm ready for Sunday. Yeah. I mean, the bare minimum is setting the lineups and, you know, making sure that you have the players in them, checking the injuries, checking the players, checking the status, of course. Um, Ruvain, anything else to add in terms of your bare essentials of what you need to do each and every week to really get there? Yeah, I want to look at my guys on my team and see if they're actually playing every day, see if they're playing every other day, and why they aren't playing. Whether it's because of injury, whether it's because they all of a sudden now they're not, they weren't performing well, now they're in a platoon. Whether the schedule is not favorable to them, whether it's a five-day week or seven-day week. These things, I think, you, you can. it doesn't take that long to do. Just if you think a guy is underperforming or you look at the stats for that week and you say, oh, wait a second, this guy's not putting up any numbers. Why not? They're, he's getting a whole bunch of zeros. What's going on? Take a look. Is it because he's he, he's lost that playing time? Is it because of an injury? I think, I think those are very important because then the following week you can decide if you want to take them out or you know substitute someone else in. Yeah, the playing time is really the key. And um, just tracking your own players, well, Ruvain, so tracking your own players and saying, are these players still getting the playing time? Now, obviously, if you're at the top of your team, the first five, six players taken – you're not going to check. We know Freddie Freeman is playing every single day. I mean, he'll get an off day once in a blue moon, but he's playing. You don't have to check. But for fringe guys, your fourth outfielders, your middle infielders, your utilities, uh, your seventh starters, you really need to check whether they're actually getting the playing time. Playing time is key. The teams that win are the teams that accumulate the most at-bats and innings, just like that. Um, you got to check whether your guys are performing. You have to do a consistency check. Do it once a week. I mean, you know, you're setting your lineups, but the the whole point is to see whether you're actually getting the projection that you're expected. And the other point I'll make is that, and we said this in last week's show, that you really have to tie together the the waiver wire and setting lineups. They're really all in one. When you're making pickups, you're making pickups with respect to to the the lineups. Hundred percent agree. All right, so uh, Scott, in terms of the extras, like we talked about priorities here, what would you say are the um, 
nice to have? What are the next couple of priorities that you would do uh, either each week or every couple of weeks in terms of your time? Yeah, that's, I mean, generally speaking, that's where I'm really looking at sort of standing movement, right? Because at one, you know, when I'm looking at my roster, especially in weekly leagues, when I have limited edition, you know, limited ability to add to my roster, I, I want to be able to look at the standings and say, okay, um, you know, where, you know, where am I trending? I, I can't check the stand, you know, you can check the standings every single day, but you're not going to see the big movement every single day. So I try to space it out when I'm looking and say, okay, how am I doing in run scored? Right. I know that for my 15 team NFB or, uh, uh, my 15 team tout league run scored has been a real problem. So now that I know that, I, it actually helps me make my waiver moves and my future lineup decisions. Uh, for example, in that league, I'm not proud of it, but Jake Bowers is on my team, right? Because I needed run scored, and he's been showing, uh, the Yankees have shown that they'll put him in the top of the lineup. That offense is not what it used to be, but if you want to get run scored, you look at the top of the lineup. That's your best chance to get them generally. Not a lot of guys who bat at the top of the order are available in a 15-team league's waiver wire. Jake Bowers was, so I grabbed him, and it hasn't helped as much as, I, as I'd hoped. But I, you know, my, my nice to have is being able to get that sort of strategy. I, I try to make time for it once a week. Sometimes it's every other week, but you know, you can't do it every day, but I try to make sure I understand what my needs are so that when I do make waiver moves or I'm making lineup decisions, I'm getting the most juice I can right to make, make sure that I get what it is I need. Cause sometimes that's the tiebreaker. I have two similar players, but they offer different things. I make sure I pick the one that gives me what I need and let the other one potentially ride the bench. Yeah. I mean, the, the quick way that I do waiver pickups, if I'm in a really pinch is I look at what's going on the last 30 days, the last 21 days, you know, pick some time frame, and you say, who's scoring the most runs runs are tied to, to the runs of the category. that's the most, tied to success in fantasy who's getting strikeouts just sort by those categories okay and then i'll look huh this guy looks interesting this guy looks interesting if i have more time i'll use that to bubble up the players but then i'll do the deep dive take a look is he lucky take a look is he striking out less take a look is he walking more is he barreling the ball look at where he's hitting in the lineup and deep diving each player. Uh, the bubbling up to the top is the quick way, and then you just have to make your guesstimate either by name recognition or by pure stats, you know, or by upcoming schedule. But then the deep dive of finding the components of the players is the next. And before we go to Ruvain, we're going to do the Injury Gurus Trivia of the Week. So we were talking about playing time, and now we're talking about how to fix, how to check our stats and everything like that. One of the things you obviously want to know about playing time is, are they actually playing every day? So currently, how many, this is a trivia question, currently, how many players have played every single game of the season so far and not missed one game? Ooh. Any guesses, Scott? God, uh... I want to make a, a guess that's a little higher because I know there's there's iron men on every team that just lock down like second base that I, that I won't always think of. Um, I, I'm going to go with like 40, like one and a half guys per team, Ooh. 40 to 45. I'm going to say it's a little bit less than one per team. I'm going to go with 22. The answer is 10. There have been 10 Ugh. players who have played every single game Three of them happen to be on the Braves. You have 
Ozzie Albies, who's played every game, Austin Riley, and Matt Olson. That lineup stays steady, and that's something you should look for. If you need stats, you look at these lineups. If these lineups are consistent for certain teams, and you have a guy, let's say you need a uh, you need a power guy, and Marcelo Zuna happens to be available, you know that he's going to have these guys ahead of him every single day. You need a stat. You, you need runs. You want to get maybe uh, Orlando Arcia, who's on the team, who may not be the best and most sexy middle infielder out there, but he's going to get you runs because you have those main three guys playing every single day. You know he's going to get them knocked in. You you know he's going to they're going to get their numbers. And if you do that, I think that's the best way to, to look on your stats. If you can find a team that has a guy who plays all the time, then you find a guy who's right batting right above them, like you like you mentioned, Scott, or you a leadoff hitter, or even below. You know that they're going to have a chance to get to get knocked in because these great players or these really good high fantasy value players are playing around them. Do, do you have the, the names of the other seven? I don't have them offhand. I, I I heard this trivia question somewhere else, so I did steal it. So I apologize. I did hear it on the radio, so I do apologize. But I do I do know offhand that those three on the Braves have played every day. Okay. Uh, no, the great question there, um, Scott. How important are the player deep dives in terms of your time? And uh, do you think it's an efficient use of time to really do the deep dive as opposed to maybe just hear about it on a, a good podcast or just take a look at their their surface stats? Well, it depends on the podcast, right? They hear about it here. The work's done. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd say I, I like deep dives, but I need a little bit of a cop-out answer here. I need something I'm actually looking for, right? I need I need what it is like. I don't want to just look at a guy and say, I'm just going to deep dive everything that you're doing, right? It's, you know, it might be the question of, is this hot, you know, is this heat or is this skill, right? Are they showing something new? Or if I'm looking at, I mean, I, on Twitter today, I posted about Ellie De La Cruz because he's been struggling badly in the second half. I wanted to get an understanding of, of what is happening with Ellie De La Cruz. I was able to do that using some metrics we have over at pitcher list, pitch level data to say, oh, look, the, the issue is that he's actually making good contact. He's making contact more often than we expect him to based on our model. The problem is he also swings at everything. Right. Uh, and his decision making is poor. So I have an understanding of why this player is struggling. And that tells me whether I maybe want to. I mean, Ellie De La Cruz is a very hard guy to trade for. So he's not a great example, but it, it's giving me, you know, I, I'm trying to look up something so that I can take an action. And to me, the deep dives are really important when I'm looking for an action. They're not so important just to randomly look at every guy's hot. The human brain is limited. Uh, you know, you mentioned it, you know, when you're trying to quickly go through the waiver wire, you look at guys, how they've done in the last 21 days or 30 days, because you need to shrink the list. You can't look at every single player. That's simply not something you're going to have time for. And even if you have the time, your brain doesn't have the capacity to remember every single one of them. So for me, they're really important when I'm looking for an action to take. Maybe that's trading for a guy. Maybe that, maybe that's trading a guy away. Maybe that's, uh, am I thinking, you know, hey, he's been struggling. Is it time to cut bait? Or is it time to, um, you know, and if it's time to cut bait, then I want to do a deep dive on a guy or two on the wire so I can understand what I'm getting in return. But they're extremely important when there's an action attached. Yeah, no, that's true. I think during the season, you know, it's it's really about ha having the actionable thing to look at. Uh, I mean, I'm not doing deep dives on players that I, I don't own that are clearly owned by other people. At what purpose? I'm not going to do anything. Unless I'm considering a trade, I'm not going to do that. What about preseason, though, Scott? Do you are you a guy to, to deep dive on a lot of players? Like when you go to the first baseman, you're really digging into it, or or what is your your process preseason? 
you know, preseason, a lot of it is about, you know, you you can't, again, you cannot deep dive everyone. You know, I do top 30 rankings at each position. And even then I cannot deep dive everyone. A lot of it is, you know, over time, you have evaluations of players. You have some, you know, we've talked about Freddie Freeman. We kind of know what Freddie Freeman is. So if I'm doing a deep dive on Freddie Freeman, it's because I want to say, hey, last season, the power was down. Is there something there that I need to understand better? Right? Is there something that um, I'll, I'll, I might start a deep dive? You know, because you, you can you can do shallow dives, right? You can sort of skim around and say, is there something here that stands out? Is there a stat, especially for a veteran player, that just doesn't line up with you know what my what I expected or what they've done in past seasons? So then, uh, you know, it's almost like I try to skim lots of players to find a thing that is worth my time researching. Right, you know, looking into why uh, Luis Arias had a high batting average because that's what he is. He has amazing contact ability. It doesn't matter where you pitch it; he can put it over the second baseman's head or the shortstop's head. Blah blah blah. There's nothing to research. But when I'm going through my ranks, I'm saying, okay, I've got a tough time deciding between these two players. I'm going to quickly look at both, see if there's a stat, or you know, maybe they break a mold. Maybe they're a player that uh, doesn't necessarily swing and miss as much as their strikeout rate would suggest. Why? What are they doing? Um, it, I spend a lot of time in that. A lot of time on it in the preseason, but I try to make sure that again, it's something actionable. It's something where I'm trying to make a, a skill decision about a player or an evaluation. Is you know, or if I if I see projections for a guy that, and I'm like, these projections don't line up with my expectation. What you know, I understand the projections, but what 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 is my expectation based on? Is it just wish casting, or is there something I've been seeing that the stats can show me that would make me say, hey, you know what? I think this guy's better than projections. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I mean, for me, the process before the season starts is I use projections to bubble up to the top players that might be bargains. Like I, I compare the projection evaluation versus the market, and I see which players look like a bargain. I, if, if a player is a bust according to projections and the market somehow loves them, I care less about that, right? I, I, I mean, I guess I could deep dive everyone, but... If I have to pick and choose in terms of my time, I'm going to first take a look at the guys who the projections say is worth it, right? And then we deep dive them. And that's what we do on this show, right? We, we go through all the corner infielders that are big bargains, and we take a look and see whether we agree with that. And if we do, great, add it to the list of draftable people. Ruvain, what about you? Uh, what's your story in terms? Yes, that's uh, I'm, uh, you have to have this word of caution here when it comes to doing a deep dive. Sometimes doing a deep dive, deep dive is not necessarily the best thing. Sometimes doing a deep dive makes you convince to convince you to get a player that you really shouldn't be going after. Like we, like me and you are, we we're in an NFPC league. We did a deep dive on Ben Lively, and we thought, oh, two star pitcher. The numbers look pretty good. It, it, all all is everything looked really good, and then we liked the two starts. You know, the two start that was going in, and then he gives up thirteen runs. I mean, sometimes you have to be was that a word injury of related, with, though? He did go in the IL. Um, I, 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 yeah, I think his ego was hurt because I, 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 I don't think he was real. I mean, he's he's supposed to come back and his first available um, when he's coming off the injury. So I, I don't think it's yes, it was an injury, but I think it was more about him just getting his head back together. Um, it, it's a matter of sometimes doing a deep dive is too much, and sometimes you don't do deep enough dive, it's too shallow, and you don't get the information you need, and you don't get the right person just because you either did too little or too much, and you convince yourself one way or the other. Um, Scott, in terms of fantasy content that's available, and there's so much, there's writing, there's podcasts, so much stuff, 
Uh, how valuable do you think that is in terms of being efficient? Right? Do you, do you are you someone to get information from podcasts and use it? Is that you know listen to the top three podcasts and really give that an idea? And I'm talking more you as the what do you think the the average listener in terms of consuming content is that a big thing or are are you someone to recommend really do more of this on yourself uh, and the the information on the podcast or more uh, entertainment value? You know, I, I love podcasts. Like you mentioned earlier, I've got my own hacks and jacks, but I actually do listen to other podcasts. Uh, and the reason for it is like you mentioned one, uh, it can give me some ideas about guys. I have not noticed, right? I, I, I do a hitter list ranking every week, 150 batters based on a 12 team standard format. And I, I do not know every player. So I do try to listen. You know, I like listening to uh, podcasts, particularly about prospects. That's not something that's in my wheelhouse. I wouldn't know really uh, where I want to begin with that. So podcasts can really help you, uh, or, or at the very least articles, which I sort of use in the same vein. I want I want something that can help me with an area of weakness, right? Like nobody's good at everything. The human brain is has its limits. So where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses? I like to listen and read about things that I'm not that good at myself. Right. So I, I want to, you know, uh, Shelly Verstrait, who's now over at uh, NBC Sports. I like reading her stuff because I, I like the way she evaluates young players and prospects. And she does it in a way that I don't think I could do. Right. I don't pretend that I'm smarter than everyone else. There are things I do on my own because I've I've honed those skills and I feel comfortable with them. Uh, but there's a lot of skills I haven't honed. And that's really where I like to go find the outside content so that I can support my game without having to pretend like I can be a scout. Yeah. I mean, I, I love listening to podcasts, and I read a lot of fantasy baseball, obviously. Um, does it make me a more efficient player to get the information from them? I think I agree with you on the stuff that I'm not good at, right? If I'm not good at prospects or I'm not the, the best guy at player evaluation, uh, you know, listen to Paul Sporer and Justin Mason sleep in the bus and they go through players, I, I generally wouldn't do that. Um, that's something that they could do a better job at. Um, you know, for, for the things I'm good at, uh, for, for projections, let's say, I don't really need to listen to that. You know, I, I, I use it for the information purposes, but I do love the entertainment. I listen to the guys that I think are interesting, right? The, the guys are funny. The guys make me laugh. Um, but, uh, yes, uh, in terms of efficiency, you know, there's only, only so much time in your day. I think that um, all the information and the content out there is a net positive, but obviously there's there's a lot to do. So, you know, do the ones that, that really fit what complements you, right? Do the things that you think would add to your knowledge, not that agree with you, if that makes sense. Ruvain? Yeah, I listen to spits and pieces of podcasts. I don't get it. I don't have that much time in my schedule to do that. I do listen sometimes on my commute, and that's great. I like it, like you said, for the entertainment purposes. But really, if you go into Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it now, if you follow the right people for prospects, if you follow the right people for streaks, for streaky players and stuff like that, like Mike, Mike Curlin, who's, he's, he's always tweeting out all this information, and certain guys, if you follow these certain people, you can just, you know, if they come up on your feed, they pop up right away, and you can see what's going on, and you can learn a lot that way. And if a name stands out, like if one person mentions the name, then another person mentions the same name, then another person mentions the same name, then maybe, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, and then there's maybe something going on with that certain player. So, you know, besides the, podcast besides everything like that if you actually use other as other aspects of, of social media you will find areas where you're deficient in where you can bulk yourself up just by literally just refreshing your feed 
Right. And of course, always listen to our show every single week, right? That's that's that's, that's the number one. I mean, that's a given. I mean, come on. That's the number one best way. And of course, hacks and jacks, right? Well, well, obviously, yes. right? I mean, that's yes. I mean, that, <laughs> that's that's the basics, one hundred and one. Just for the uh, for the audience, uh, Scott, could you just tell the audience, um, you know, what what your show brings to the table and and what you think, uh, um, you guys excel in? Yeah, so we're really a hitter focused show, right? You know, forget the fact that I work for Pitcher List. I let Nick and those nerds talk about pitching, right? So uh, we talk a lot about hitters. We talk a lot about, um, you know, I do a top 150 hitters every week. So part of our conversation is just talking about guys that have moved around on this list, right? Especially focusing on 10 to 12 team leagues. We talk about players that are relevant in the deeper formats as well. But again, I don't pretend that I'm great at all this 15 team stuff that you know this show is much better at you know that sleeper in the bust with paul and jason or justin they do you know they do a fantastic job with that so we really focus on some of these 10 and 12 team leagues uh and really hitters uh it's especially especially just looking at like whether we try to focus on actionable things you know not just so and so is good too bad he's rostered in 80 percent of leagues Right. We try to look at players that are doing exceptionally well or doing exceptionally poorly. Talk about what we think is making that happen and then whether or not you should do anything about it. And to me, I think that's the best takeaway from our show. We try to give you something to do about every player we talk about. What do you think is the uh, priority in terms of looking at the current standings, looking at your specific roster decisions in terms of playing time and value, maybe even versus trying to trade in the league? Like, how would you rank the importance of, of doing the, the buy category, the buy value, and the trading opportunities? So, as the season goes on, it changes slightly uh, for my top two, which starts with buy value and then buy category. Uh, as the season progresses and I understand my team's weaknesses more and more, it, that balance shifts a little more towards category uh, because that's where the value then is for my team in particular. Uh, and then for me, trading is at the bottom. Trading is often the last way I want to try to get back. I mean, sometimes I have no choice but to make trades because I'm either far behind or it's a, you know, it's a stat like stolen bases, which while there are more of them this season, if I need to get a big boost, I will likely need to acquire players from other teams. Uh, and also steals are something people are off, you know, steals and saves things. Teams are generally ready to sell off if they feel like they're comfortable there or it's a keeper or dynasty and they don't, you know, they're not in competition, so they don't need those things. So uh, it's really about value, then category. Those things can kind of flip the closer to the end of the season we get. And then finally trade just to supplement the category piece because that's usually why I'm making trades. It's either for a position or a category, but more often than not, it's a category. I think that trading has gone down in terms of importance relative to the others over time here. There's so much information out there available, and everyone knows more. Um People are so averse to trading that they, they, they don't want to – well, they know more, and they don't want to lose trades. They don't want to, oh, I don't want to give up that. People are also more clingy to their own players, their favoritism. I see less trading. So for that reason, I'm less inclined to spend my time trying to look out trades. I mean, when I first started playing, I, I would you know go through my roster every other week. Who can I trade? What – what other team would be good for? Let's make a deal. But less and less people are really engaging it and ending up with the trading that I'm just finding less of that. And, of course, in the NFBC, there is no trading, so you don't have to do, deal with that at all. But for me, that trading has really gone down in priority. You think so, Ruben? 
Yeah, hundred percent. I I think it's it's harder to make trades just because of that. Just like you said, there's too much information out there, and also the way you perceive a uh, uh, the way you perceive a player compared to how someone else perceives a player is different based on what they what information they consume. So it, it's it's so much harder to agree on a quote unquote fair trade, and a lot of times trades get yelled at or or complained about in the certain league so i think trading should really be on the bottom and scott to your point i think now is the time at the point where you're supposed to look at the standings just a little bit more than at your roster itself and see where you can improve because the season is two th- is basically two-thirds over right now is before we have four months in the books already so there's only two months left so if you're going to try to catch up in certain categories now's the time to see that because if you're going to try to catch up let's say uh 20 or 30 rbis in in one month that's going to be very hard to do I think, or stolen bases, you're definitely behind by 10 or 15. I think you do need some time in the season to be able to catch up. So I think at this point in the season, it's uh, based on the standings, then based on your roster and waiver and everything like that, and then the trades. You know, the final strategy topic or point that I want to bring up is uh, down the stretch, if your team stinks or is way out of it, how much time should you really put in a league? I mean, theoretically, um, if it's of no value to you, you should actually not even look at it. I mean, I, I'm in one league. It's not a lot for me, but in GDD, Derek Cardi and I just, just whatever, for whatever reason, you know, the players didn't work, injuries, blah, 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 bad play, whatever it is, we're, we're in, in next to last, okay? There's no point. We're not going to win. Not even close. Should I try it all? And if so, what should I do? I'm thinking that ethically I should at least set my lineups to make sure that that I have legal guys, that I don't have injured guys. Uh, if I do have injured guys, replace them. But after that, I mean, I, I don't see a point in terms of bothering. I know it's for rotisserie leagues, you want to be fair, everybody. But if I, if I have a lot of things going on, should I do that? I think I'm, I'm ethically uh, uh, inc- inclined and, and really positioned that I have to do the basics. But I don't think I have to do any more than just making sure I've got legal lineups and non-injuries. Do you agree with that, Scott? You know, to an extent. I think the word you're using is the right one, and that's try, right? Like, my, my wife and I had twins in April, right? And I have some leagues where I'm not doing very well. They're redraft leagues. There's nothing I can really do to, uh, you know, tr- make trades for next year or make ads that will impact me next season. I can't do any of that. So I will try to to put out legal lineups, particularly because the two I'm doing worst in are head-to-head leagues, right? And, you know, I don't want, to me, what my ethical obligation, if you want to call it that, is I don't want to upset my league mates and give someone an advantage that, you know, is unfair or probably more accurately unlucky, right? Uh, I don't want to do that. So I will try to keep a lineup set. I'll try to make sure I have it. You know, if a guy gets injured, it's a di- one of them's a daily league, and if a guy gets injured on Tuesday, I might not notice. Uh, but I will check it once or twice a week to make sure that I can make those changes. I was going to lose the matchup anyway, but I should at least roster full team, make someone make someone else do the bare minimum uh, because I know that that's what my league mates expect of me. Uh, but I think that's the other key. I have I have one or two leagues that I don't think anyone would care if I stopped looking, if I was in last place, even at this point in the season, because to them, you know, really, they know that by this point in the season, it's all about the top five or six teams. That's it, right? Every, you know, there's, there's usually a chasm there in that particular league. And so if you're at the bottom, nobody really cares what you do. It's head to head category. So they, you know, you're probably going to lose seven to three or something. Anyway, if you don't pay attention, the worst thing you'll do is give them one or two extra wins. 
that to me is sort of the level of I don't want to make I don't want to cause trouble for my league mates. I want to do something that impacts the integrity of the league. But again, I, that to me means just try, right? Look at it once in a while. Sometimes it's the commissioner's job to remind me, hey Scott, you've had you know you've had an injured Bobachet in your shortstop spot for a long time now, right? Uh, could you could you come and make an adjustment? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Sorry, I'll do that, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, as commissioner, I've had a bunch of leagues where I've reminded guys with a month left that you're not going to make your innings requirements. you got to pitch some pitchers, and I've reminded them. And in one extreme case where the guy was just absent and didn't want to, I just said, all right, guys, we're going to take some guys off the waiver and wa- waiver wire, or off of their bench at least, and put them in the, the active lineup just so that they get their innings requirements. Otherwise, they drop the ERA to the bottom, and somebody gains – Probably where they shouldn't have, you know, like for for head to head, if you're playing a team the last week of the season, if you're if your team's out of it, but you're playing somebody and there's two teams left fighting for the last playoff spot, I don't know, are your league mates going to be angry if they uh, if you don't uh, set the lineup and try to win? I mean, you know, your point is a good one, Scott. That uh, okay, as long as your league mates are okay with it, you know, sure. But maybe in that scenario, maybe you need to try. What do you think, Ruben? I think you have to try for pride. I think if listen, at the end of the season, people come up to me and ask me, so how do you do in your leagues? I don't like having to say that I finished in second to last or third to last or in last. I'm going to do my best to get out of the cellar and have a respectable end to the season. A lot of teams, if in a lot of leagues also, if you're doing well in the league and you know that other teams are not going to do like a, a half a half a job and not really pay attention, you could try to take advantage of that because you'll know you'll be able to get some guys cheaper on the waiver wire. So maybe you'll you'll put your waiver wire um um bids in a little differently. So you have to plan this a little bit because if you can see this happening, maybe you could take advantage of it in some cases. And by the way, I'm not trying to tell you that I, I I'm a guy who slacks. I actually. Don't do that. I actually try hard in every single league. Uh, but we're talking about time management and priority. Obviously, if I'm in, in the money and, and I'm trying to shoot for first place in the NFBC league where the payout's 7500 and there's a $100 league, then I'm in a home league, and I'm in dead last, I mean, is it fair to really say, well, I, I, I got to try in every single league? I mean, there's there's a point, right? There's a point where, you know, you're – you know, I understand the league mates is very nice to finish ninth instead of eleventh, but you know, uh, um, there, there's there is priorities, right? And I understand that. And then there's football, uh, which I don't really get into all that much, but you know, um, people have priorities. I'm just saying that there there should be a minimum guideline for uh, what people should try, and acknowledging that there is a priority in life. Sounds but what do you what do you say to the people who have, let's say, ten? 10- or 15 teams and three or four of them are just you know in the crapper already and they want them they're still managing the other 12 it's not like they're not trying it's just setting their priorities differently and then spending more time in those better teams yeah i mean in the in the nfbc people do that all the time people have 30 teams they're obviously not gonna manage teams at the bottom the last month right would you scott I mean, no, again, I'm in too many leagues, uh, which, you know, is a different number for everybody, but I'm in too many. I think it's about like 11. And I mean, that's what happens early in the season. I do try to balance it out. But uh, the later it gets in the season, again, I do try to make sure I've got a set lineup, but I will look to my bench first before the wire. 
right? Like I'm not scouring the wire in some of those leagues because there's not much value in the limited amount of time I have. I got three kids, two cats, a dog, and a guinea pig, right? Like they, they get a lot of my time. So the amount of time I've left for fantasy baseball isn't a ton. So I do try to use it, you know, the best way I can. I also know I need to reduce leagues, yada, yada, yada. But uh, ultimately at this point in the season, I try to make sure I do what is expected of me in those leagues where I'm not doing well and it's redraft, there's no future implication. Uh, but I also, I've also tried to make sure I understand what exactly that is. Well, good, healthy, ethical debate, and uh, hopefully we've given you some ideas as to what you should do and what you should prioritize first. Let's do some waiver wire picks. Scott, who is a player on the waiver wire that you'd like to pick up for this coming week? This bleeds a little bit into uh, a guy that we'll probably talk about uh, in another segment too, so I won't talk about him too much yet, but Garrett Whitlock is a guy who I think in a lot of leagues where you don't have an IL uh, or you have a very shallow IL would have gotten cut. Uh, He's coming back. He's got a two-start week. I think it's a fairly favorable one. So he is someone I'm looking at, uh, again, two starters that are actually worth starting at this time of the season. Really hard to find. really hard to find pitching just in general. This is a guy who I think has really good skills. He's just really struggled with injuries this season, a little bit of inconsistency, but at this point, especially in leagues where maybe I'm in the middle of the pack, uh, especially with pitching, it's time to take a shot. And Garrett Whitlock is a guy who has skills that I think a lot of other waiver wire pitchers at this time of the year don't have two starts or not. All right. Any hitters to uh, talk about? Yeah. So, you know, one guy I've been looking at in a lot of leagues, and I apologize, I don't have quite the numbers in every single league, but uh, Mike Moustakis. Uh, I can't believe I'm talking about Mike Moustakis here in the year 2023, uh, because I probably shouldn't be. But here I am anyway, talking about Mike Moustakis, because he's found himself hitting in the middle of this, uh, unfortunately, you know, injury damage lineup over in Los Angeles. But Moustakis, he's eligible at second and third base in most formats, and you know, while he cannot, I mean, he can't run. I mean, he could barely jog. Uh, it was kind of funny listening to Tigers announcers recently talk about the way Moose runs, but he's still got some pop in that bat. And it's again, especially in deeper leagues, guys who can bat, you know, four five, six, just don't come up every day, especially ones on teams that have a guy like Shohei Otani on them. So there's someone to drive in. So Mike Moustakis is a guy in deeper leagues that I've been looking at. I don't think I'll have to bid much because Mike Moustakis hasn't been very relevant for quite some time, but I think he'll be a way for me to fill in some of these middle infield spots that, uh, or, or corner outfield spots that have sort of been ravaged by injury. If you've lost a guy like Josh Naylor recently, uh, Mike Moustakis might be able to give you a little bit of that juice back for a while. Yeah, please tell uh, Josh Naylor to come back soon. Ruvain, uh, how about you? Uh, who's some waiver wire picks for this week? Well, Josh Naylor may not come back soon. He's got an oblique injury, and he may be out six, to, six weeks or more. So, you know, you can wish, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, two, uh, one guy I want to mention, I mentioned, I think, last week or the week before, is Logan O'Hoppy. Um, he's owned right now in 28% of CBS leagues. He's on a rehab assignment already. From, he had shoulder surgery on a non-thrown shoulder. Um, but he's still about two weeks away. So if he's not owned in your league, this is a week to get him for almost nothing because you're going to start hearing some hype about it in the next couple of weeks, and you're not going to get him as cheap, especially if you don't have that much uh, fab left. Another guy, if he's available, I doubt he'll be available because he's owned in 48% of CBS leagues, but Royce Lewis is supposed to come off the IL this weekend. So if you ch- you know go through your waiver wire and you see his name pop up, you know you should definitely put a bid in for him. Um, and another guy really, 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 really deep is a guy named J.P. Martinez or Juan Pablo Martinez. He's being called up 
tomorrow, which is Friday. He's being called up by the Rangers. He's a highly publicized international signee out of Cuba. They signed him in 2018, and this year in AAA, he batted three. He batted three twelve. He slashed three twelve, four twenty seven, five sixty five, twelve homers, thirty three stolen bases in sixty seven games. So if you're if you don't have if he's available and you're in an AL only league, he's a guy you should definitely look at. But even in deeper leagues, if you want to take a chance on someone. When the Rangers do have a bunch of injuries, he's a guy to think about in the back of your mind. So I'll mention a couple of guys, and I think at this time of the year, it's more category-specific. Um, I'm less inclined to look for just some overall upside value. I'm, like, targeting the categories. Uh, power, Max Kepler, only 30% owned on CBS. He's batting third or fourth every day. He is not doing as great with strikeout and walk rate, but he's barreling the ball more than ever. His exit velocity is up quite a few, like two or two to three ticks. Um, you've got 18 homers, 45 runs in RBIs, and less than 300 at-bats. For those playing here, that's like in a 500 at-bat season. That's like a 30-homer player with 75 runs in RBIs. That's interesting. If that kind of profile fits your team, we need some pop and some run production, Max Kepler is an excellent choice, especially in the outfield where it's a little bit thin. For power, also two catcher leagues, Gary Sanchez. He looks Two-catcher league relevant again. He's owned quite. He's uh, available quite a bit, so that's one guy. And stolen bases, how about Michael Garcia? Uh, this is more for 12-team, I'd say. Me, if 15-team, you should own him already. Batting 278 with 18 stolen bases and just 300 at-bats. That's a 30-stolen stol- uh, base pace, I should say. Um, yeah, if you need him d- down the stretch for some stolen bases and a guy who won't kill your average... That could be interesting as well. All right, pitcher preview. I know, uh, Scott, you gave a pitcher already. How about you, Ruvain? Who's the pitcher that you want to pick up this week? Well, there are two of them that I was looking at. One of them happens to be a Met, unfortunately, um, and that's David Peterson. He's a possible two-star pitcher. The question of him is how far he's going to go into games. He hasn't been going that far into games right now. Maybe he's going three, four innings, but he is building up, and he's supposed to play Pittsburgh and maybe a two-star with against St. Louis. Those starts aren't that bad. He's pitching pretty decently. His ERA over those last three or three starts is three seven five, and he's got 13 strikeouts in 12 innings. So it's not horrible, but again, you may not get that that much length out of him but another guy who may be facing him on the Cardinals Dakota Hudson he's only 10% owned in CBS his first matchup is Oakland and again maybe against the Mets he's been pretty good he's got and now he's he's you know he he's for a waiver wire pitcher he's got a 4-3 ERA his whip is not that great but he's been pitching well recently so he's a guy if you need it if you're desperate for two-star pitchers both these guys are good Dakota Hudson will actually give you more length than David Peterson would yeah, I am all, absolutely all over Dakota, Dakota Hudson. In fact, he was the guy I mentioned last week. By the way, if you did listen to me and picked him up and started him, you did get the win. He is throwing longer. He's 3-0 so far, by the way. Uh, I think in terms of wins for this week, Oakland, the Mets, you can't get much better if you're trying to really get a shot at wins. He's only 10% owned, so he's probably available in your league. Definitely a great pick. I'll mention two more. Wade Miley, I tell you every single week to pick up Wade Miley. Another win. He, he went six innings, two hits, one run his last start. Now, tricky for this week because he is a two-star pitcher, but it's against the Dodgers and Texas. Uh, I'd say I'd actually recommend him, especially if you need the wins, if that's the category, good chance it wins. Uh, so, you know, hey, listen, there, there's upside and downside, but usually a two-star pitcher who's winning some games going long, uh, probably worth it. 
Also, Brady Singer. I know he doesn't have a fantastic ERA overall, but since June 1st, 3.53 ERA, 119 whip. And by the way, the uh, FIP and XFIP and all those uh, ERA estimators, they agree he's actually been that good since June. And by the way, those numbers, the the 3.53, that includes a five-earned run outing and a six-earned run outing and a couple of four-earned run outings. So he's had some stellar outings out there. Um, he's two start this week, Seattle and Chicago Cubs. Might want to give him a shot. The winds are a little fickle on, on the Royals, but maybe he'll help your ratios, maybe. And you have a chance at wins there. So, again, we're talking about catching up in categories, so beggars can't be choosers at this point. Anyone else to add? Yeah, so, you know, another guy I've been looking at who, again, this is maybe more for shallow leagues, who probably got cut early on this season is Jake Cronenworth. Jake Cronenworth uh, was hitting maybe a little closer to the top of the San Diego Padres lineup earlier in the season. He just got off to a horrible start, which is not what you want to see from a player like Cronenworth, who is supposed to be more of a high floor player, right? This is not a guy with a bunch of upside. He was supposed to give you some floors, some decent counting stats from hitting, you know, in a good spot in the Padres lineup. He just wasn't doing it, but he has been doing it lately. The overall season line is not very good, but starting on July 28th, he just went on an absolute tear. Uh, He had a bunch of two-hit games in a row. He had five two-hit games in a row, uh, went on a long hitting streak. And, you know, again, a player like him is supposed to be a high-floor guy. He can make a ton of contact. He's hitting 383 over his last 50 plate appearances, uh, 420 OBP, 596 slug. And again, I'm not saying that this is a guy who uh, can be a huge difference maker for you. He's batting sixth right now, but he's scoring tons of runs, 10 runs in this stretch. Uh, you know, getting some RBI as well, uh, even though, you know, you'd think that would be more just hitting behind some of the middle of that Padres lineup. I think in either respect, you're going to see these counting stats come in from Cronenworth uh, and he's eligible at both first and second base. So in those 12 team leagues, I am guessing Jake Cronenworth was probably cut in several of them. And he's someone worth scooping up again, if you need to fill in a spot at first or second base due to recent injuries. Yeah. He had a very bad start to the season, but uh, you know, I mean, I projected him pretty high overall for the season going into the season, and we see that he's back to his form. So maybe it was an injury. We didn't know about it. You know, the, these things can happen. I mean, the if you were, if, it's hard to say, uh, you know, find a guy who's who's not injured. But you, you know, if we really could discern a, what a, a cold streak is, cold versus an injury versus bad talent, that would really be the key, right? I mean, it, you know, Rizzo. How do we know he had hit an injury? He, you know, we just thought it was a cold streak. It, it's just very hard to do that. But if you can, you, it's worth a million bucks. All right, Ruvain, talking about injuries, why don't you give the rundown for this week's injury report? Okay, we'll start with Bo Bichette. He's on the aisle with right patellar tendonitis. He's been taking some swings and jogging, but due to the lack of strenuous baseball activity being done, he will probably not return this weekend or maybe not even the beginning of next week. We'll see how that goes. Josh Young had his place on the aisle with a left thumb fracture. He had surgery. Plates and screws were inserted. Uh, he's expected to miss four to six weeks and hopes to be back by the end of the season. But based on his surgery, there's a good chance he may not be back in time to give you anything relevant. He may be back the last week of the season, and you don't know where you're going to get back. So he's a guy, if you own him, you may be willing to drop him because you don't know 
how much you're going to get out of him, and that roster spot may be extra valuable to you. Um, if Ezekiel Duran is available in your league, he's a guy you can take, you can scoop up because he's been playing third. Another guy in the Rangers who's actually coming back sooner, and that's Jonah Heim. He was placed in the IL with a left wrist tendon strain slash tear. He's already faced live pitching, and he may return this Monday. So that's someone to watch for. Byron Buxton was placed on the IL. Where do we? Where have we heard that before? With a right hamstring strain. Twins bench coach Jace Tingler actually said that Buxton will be shut down for the next two weeks. They will see how he responds, and then we'll see how what goes from there. A guy who's maybe available in the league. You want you want to play him because he's been hot and cold recently. And that's Matt Walner. That's someone to watch for. Carlos Rodon was placed on the IL with a left grade ham left a le- oh, sorry a low grade hamstring of the left leg. Question is, will he be back when he first when he's first eligible? He's still throwing off flat ground. He hasn't stopped doing that, so there's a possibility. But a pitcher and a hamstring, I don't know how those things go that well together. Joe Musgrove was placed on the IL with right shoulder inflammation. He's been shut down for three weeks. I know I, I spoke to you, Ariel. We have him in one league. We already dropped him because best case scenario, he's supposed to start catching again August 24th. So best case scenario is a mid-September to late September. I don't know how many innings you're going to get out of him. So he's another guy if you may want to think about dropping, he's a guy you may want to drop. Um, another And two guys, I want to end on a little positive. Walker Bueller, he's rehabbing from Tommy John surgery, the second Tommy John surgery last year. He hit 93 during a one-inning sim game this past week week. Dave Roberts said that it went really well, much better than he expected. Um, Bueller acknowledged that his goal of returning September 1st is not that realistic. He'll throw a couple more sim games and then have a rehab assignment, and we'll see how that works out, but I don't think you're going to get anything really fantasy-wise out of him this year. And another guy coming back from Tommy John surgery, John Means. He's 16 months post-Tommy John surgery, followed by a -a two-and-a-half-month absence because of a low back issue. He's been cleared for a rehab assignment, and he may make his return to the Orioles by the end of August. Hey, Ruvain, over under two and a half innings this season for Edwin Diaz. I'm going to say under. I don't think this is it's, it's, it's going to be if he pitches, it's only going to be once. It's going to be similar to what happened to Noah Syndergaard a couple years ago when he had an oblique issue and he was out for a very long time and he came back to pitch what pitch once and pitch maybe one or two innings i don't think they're going to try to push him because they haven't signed on the contract they don't want to push him too quickly there's no reason to and there's no real value in doing it yeah but isn't one reason too is to really help the fan base because i mean you know just suck the air out of it with all those trades and we're not going to be good but how great would it be to you go to a game the final week and i mean there, there is some point to it, and he doesn't even have to be that good in the game. I just want to hear the trumpets. But you have to use your head and not your heart. Your heart, you're a Met fan. You want him to come back. You want some positive vibes going to the offseason, which is because this has been a very bad season for the Mets. But you, he's he's so valuable to your team. You can't push him too quickly too soon or have him push himself too quickly too soon and then have a setback and then have him be a question mark going into next year. Yes, if he doesn't pitch this year at all, he'll still be a question mark going into next year, but he'll have more time to recuperate, more time to go through the rehab and make sure that he dots his I's and crosses the T's when it comes to that and he doesn't hurt himself when he does come back. Scott, help us out here, the Met fans. Uh, first of all, I think the first thing you'll learn is that loving baseball is a real hindrance when it comes to uh, running a baseball team, at least from what I can tell by watching uh, the way owners run their teams. But yeah, I, I don't think he will, but he should. Exactly because of the reasons you said, Ariel, because nobody's going to the ballpark thinking like, man, I really hope Brooks Raley comes in today. Right? Like he's a, <laughs> he's a good reliever, but like there, there's no, like 
I don't, does anybody other than like Brooks Raley and like the staff at the ballpark know what his walk-up music is, right? Like uh, there's, there's something special, you know, I'm a Tigers fan. So I've been watching Miggy uh, and, you know, I'm so glad that he's been able to play most days because yeah, I know he's not the best player and that he's not necessarily helping this team get the most wins. But, you know, when I take my kid to the ballpark, it's, you know, it's to see Miggy, right? Like that's the guy that matters, uh, you know, forget all the fantasy and forget all the, um, the way that a lot of these manager or, uh, way ownership likes to run teams. Like this is about baseball. It's about game that everybody's supposed to like and enjoy watching. And there's not a lot of reasons to do that uh, for the Mets, at least in the last couple of innings when they're losing. So why not give them something, anything, right? Like just don't do what Oakland does. And that's like actively dislike your fan base. Yeah. But you also have to you also have to consider that no doctor has ever been wrong for holding a player out, while doctors have been wrong while telling a player to go back in and play already. You have to keep that in mind also, and that and that's that's how management should think, and that's how management usually does think. Well, I mean, yeah, if he's truly not ready, but like my fear is that they're going to say, yeah, there's no reason this guy shouldn't pitch in games, uh, but we're just not gonna because of, you know, the slight risk. But of course, living is slight risk, right? So uh, again, I'm saying this more as like the fan. I get it. That's not the calculus that ownership is using. And, you know, there's a lot of arguments to say it shouldn't be. But if he is in fact ready, God, I hope he can just go out there and and do something for a fan base that really had their hearts ripped out after such an exciting off, uh, such an exciting off season uh, to now have to go and just be like, yeah, remember that? That was cool. Uh, when we had all that excitement on the contracts, and now it's all gone. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I'd love to hear. Uh, put it this way, Ruvain. If you heard that Edwin Diaz was going to pitch in the last week of the season, would you go to that game? Yes, and I I, I wanted go. to go to the game when David Wright was going to come back, and I wanted to go to the game when when North Syndergaard came back. Right. What does it? it it's this is to put fans in the seats. If he wants to do that, that's fine. I'm just nervous, and being the Mad fan, you always have to be nervous that they're going to do something to screw up next year, this year. Already. Oh, they're going to screw up next year. We're Mets fans. We know it's going to screw up next year, anyways. Just give us our oh, moment, is what I'm saying. You know. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> if, if well, listen. If he would come, if you know he's pitching on a certain day, would you go to the game? Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So that that then, I, I mean, the same reason why we had an over under a couple of years ago of two at bats for um for Tim Tebow. Why we, <laughs> you know that. it's it's the same idea. It's it's to draw fan. I'm not saying I you know you can't compare these two players, but it's putting fans in the seats, and that's what this this um would be doing. That's all. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll end on that note. Thank you so much, Scott Chu, for for coming on the show. Well, before we let you go, why don't you just uh, tell the audience where we can. Uh, follow you and uh, hear your stuff and well things got you yeah for sure so you can find me on the website formerly known as Twitter uh, twitter.com I should say that's still true uh, at it's at if the chew fits so if the chu fits um, you can also find my work over at pitcher list I'm the senior fantasy analyst there I do hitter rankings those come out on Wednesdays sometimes Thursdays depending on how things are going here on the home front also hacks and jacks uh, the podcast that I do with Joe Galena that comes out every Monday morning and it comes out on time because Joe's the one responsible for that and not me uh, and then also uh, if you're on reddit every Friday I host an AMA over on the fantasy baseball subreddit so if you ever have questions or just want to join in that conversation come on over we get tons of questions 
questions and comments uh, and just wait reasons to talk about baseball because uh, a lot of us, our spouses and partners and friends are tired of hearing about our teams. But you know what? I'm not. I will listen to you talk about your team. So come on over and do that. You can do that in the comments of my articles uh, or over on the AMA, whatever you want to do. Let's talk about fantasy baseball while we still have it. I got Joe Galina trying to uh, pass me in, in Tatwar's head-to-head. Please, please tell him to cease and desist. Oh, will do. Don't let him. Don't, I'm not going to be able to handle that on the podcast. I can't let him get that uppity, right? I can't let oh, yeah, I got I got ahead of Ariel. I, I, I can't let that happen. Uh, you know, he beat me twice already this season in the head-to-head. And, I mean, my record, oh, I know. Yeah, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Not good. And, and it was, you know, just one of these things that if I didn't play this guy and I play this guy, then I would have won. Oh, man. Joe. Joe. All right. <laughs> Ruben, what about you? You can follow me on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out injury updates as they come, next man up, and everything like that. You can also read my weekly article on Rotoballer discussing all the injuries I discussed today, as well as many others to try to help you manage your injuries throughout the rest of the season. And I'm Ariel Cohen. You can you can fi- find me over at X.com, Twitter, whatever you want to call that machine now, at ATCNY. I'm on Fangraphs, I'm on Rotoballer, and of course the Beat the Shift podcast. I won't say every week because the next two weeks we're going to be taking some summer vacation with our family, so uh, you won't see us for two weeks. We'll be back at the end of the month and for uh, the rest of September to help you win down the stretch, but we're going to take some much-needed vacation, uh, Ruben and I, with our families respectively. All right, once again, thank you so much to Scott Chu for coming on the show. And from all of us here at Beat the Shift, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at Beat underscore shift underscore pod.